welcome to series eight episode two of York Hospital Ball. This week, Dan is joined by Chris Smith, whose two spells at York City couldn't have been more contrasting. As a young professional in the game, Chris left in 2004 as the club were relegated to the non-league, only to be the captain eight years later as they made their return after winning promotion at Wembley Stadium. This podcast is once again sponsored by York Gin, who are offering a unique discount for York City supporters by using the discount code YCFC10 YCFC10 at the checkout of their website yorkgin.com yorkgin.com Hospital Ball is a spin-off for York Hospital Radio, a local charity who provide a service for patients in York Hospital. We are celebrating 58 years broadcasting, but do rely on donations and sponsorship to keep going. So if you enjoy these podcasts, then do consider donating via our Just Giving page, justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio or text donate £5 by texting 5YHB to 70450. That's 5YHB to 70450. But for now, sit back, relax as we introduce episode two of the latest series with Chris Smith. So great to speak to you, Chris. Two very different spells for York City. But before we get into that, you actually started your career not too far from York, but at Leeds as a schoolboy player. And I believe you were even ball boy a few times. Did, did that sort of closeness to the action and atmosphere that you, that you kind of experienced, did that sort of whet the appetite for you being a pro? Yeah, and I can just remember at the time they were one of the biggest clubs in Europe. We had to ball boy. We were put in different areas of the ground week by week and obviously they've got a really loud section and I can remember once being there and I was quite intimidated even though I was obviously I had the, the Leeds tracksuit and I was a scholar there and I was quite intimidated and it opened my eyes to how passionate the fans were at Leeds but I can remember one game against Liverpool and bricks were being thrown from one side to another I'm talking 95-96 and I got to meet some amazing and well not meet but see up close some amazing players. Was there anyone in particular that you took a shine to that you maybe modelled your, your sort of playing style on? Well, away from Leeds, I can remember seeing Eric Cantona and absolutely, it was obviously the big rivalry between the two clubs as well and I was lucky enough to have the tunnel that day and just the size of Eric Cantona's sort of chest and then it was Shemichael behind him I was like Jesus Christ these are like fully grown adults that was yeah just incredible players but based on the lead side I looked up to Jonathan Woodgate actually I was lucky enough to be in the same side as Alan Smith but the year above they had McPhail Woodgate they had some apps Harry, Harry Kuehl was there Ian Hart who was tremendous we used to stay over some nights and there was a a house in Leeds where majority of them stayed. I think she was an Irish lady as well. She was absolutely lovely. And uh, Ian Hart actually looked after his young lads. But Jonathan Woodgate, the way he played, you know, back then it was kind of centre-halves were just coming through where they tried to play rather than, you know, just hoof it. And he was a phenomenal player. So, yeah, he was he was just breaking through the first team, as were all of them, actually. You moved on to Reading when you were just 15 and gained a pro contract with them. But they had something, I think I read somewhere, they had 42 professionals on the book. So it was almost 
like an impossible job for you to break through. When you look back on that time, do you look back on that time with fondness or is it frustrating that you didn't get a chance to sort of play in the first team? A, a little bit towards the end. But yeah, that final season, it was my second year pro. We had, like you said, 42 pros at the time and I was the last six games I was sub and Alan Pardew was the manager. And it sort of come to an end as the six games I was sub and on, I think, one or two occasions we were winning and a centre-half got injured and Alan Pardew didn't put me on and I think after the second time he just said he's still unsure which obviously meant kind of the end for me and he gave me two options one was to go to Bournemouth who were League One at the time Reading Championship League One at the time for the year for a year loan or York City had come in for me for two years and I, I didn't think about it seriously enough but Neville Stamp had just left Reading and joined York. So I phoned him up and he just loved playing for the first team. So I made the decision quite quickly that it was a two-year deal at York rather than the year loan at Bournemouth, which is just how things goes. But no, I don't hold anything in regret. It was it was fantastic four years. I mean, I moved into a family a week before my 16th birthday that were absolutely amazing. I'm still in contact with now. Bless him, he's passed away. But uh, the family, yeah, it was like a second mum and dad for, for four years. And I, mean, I had down here that you actually joined York City on trial to begin with. You played a couple of games and I think you scored against Wrexham. I've got down, how did Terry persuade you to come to Boven Crescent? But I guess it was probably Neville Stamp, wasn't it, really, in the end who, who maybe yeah. persuaded you? Yeah, I think because he'd been there and obviously I wanted to play first team football. I'd been on loan a couple of times when I was at Reading to a couple of clubs and, and I just loved it. I just wanted to play first team football. I felt like I was at that step. At 17, I was captain for the reserve, so I wanted to move on. And after speaking to Neville, he was like playing in obviously League Two at the time. And I thought, you know, yeah, but no, the deal was kind of done before I left Reading. So it was a two-year deal, uh, which turned into three years. But yeah, Neville kind of persuaded me a little bit to make that decision there than the Bournemouth one. And you made your full debut in a 3-0 defeat away at Hartlepool, a game that I vividly remember because I was at university not too far from Hartlepool. But you were sort of in and out the side that year with sort of injuries, illness and suspensions. But I guess the highlight will have been that that 2-0 FA Cup win over Reading, your oh. former side where you were man of a match against your old club and uh, keeping Jamie Curtin quiet, which not many people did back then. What, what's your memories of that game and, and that's kind of season yeah it was weird it's always the case so isn't it you, you you leave your club and then you end up getting them in the cup or something but I was good friends with Darius Henderson as well at the time he was the striker with Jamie Curriton yeah I felt like I had something to prove to Alan Pardew from memory you've probably got a better memory than me but yeah I thought I did well I, was, I can remember getting man of match and actually Kevin Dillon was he was my youth team coach but I think he became kind of reserve manager sort of the first team coach when I left and I can remember him texting me afterwards and said how well I did and uh, Alan Pardew was kind of having another look at me quite honest I can remember the following game it was against I think it was Cheltenham and we got beat 4-1 and I played horrific I had a nightmare and Kevin Dillon told me that there was a scout there and I think that was the end of that one but Grayson who I ended up playing with a few years later at Stafford Rangers absolutely just won every header in, they, they absolutely dominated us so yeah I can remember it being a really good moment and then followed by a week later uh, we got beat 4-1 at home so I'm sure I, th- I think and just going back slightly to that Reading game, I, I was looking back at the sort of match report of it and uh, Graham Potter scored one of the goals. And I just wonder what, what he was like to play alongside. Did, did you sort of think that he would go on to sort of manage in a Premier League like he has done? Honestly, no, but he was so intelligent. Obviously, at the time I was at York the first time, he probably had the best sort of career, I think, with, up there with Chris Brass, maybe. And I got on well with Graham and he looked after me a lot. In fact, I roomed with him a little bit. And he was such a pro 
that it doesn't surprise me, but at the time you probably didn't think he was going to become a premiership manager, but it doesn't surprise me. He's, he's so intelligent regarding off the football and on the football and he's such a professional. But yeah, it was, you know, it's something that my son goes on about actually. He's mentioned it because he, he's watched the York videos and stuff. He's like, I know him, I know him. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, fair play to him. He absolutely deserves it because, you know, his career and such a nice guy as well. And your second season at York know, was, was a real positive one. I think you made 39 appearances that season, uh, but it was all sort of against that backdrop of the John Batchelor era. And I just wondered yeah. what your take was on that on that sort of period. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who've played around that time and it seems to sort of vary. For experienced players, they look back on it real negatively because they obviously had mortgages to pay and they weren't getting yeah. paid. But but a lot of the younger lads seem almost take it in their stride because they were sort of living at home. I just wondered what 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 your situation was like. I guess I never really understood it. I just tried to play football. I was lucky enough that the PFA did end up stepping in to help everyone. So I had no kind of money worries, but. Yeah, I just tried to blank it out and play football. And I guess, like you say, for the older experienced ones with kids, wives, they maybe knew of what the seriousness was potentially of the club. I mean, you know, we were told a lot of it, but I think with us young guys, we just used to play football. We never used to think about that thing. So maybe it helped us as young kids, but there was times when we, as a group we were down and that showed, that did show, which obviously which ended a um, yeah, horrible season towards the end. But yeah, it, it was tough times. It was tough for the whole club. And you kind of forget the bad things, but I can remember my mum and dad used to go week in, week out and they used to tell me like some of the fans were in tears because they knew it was going to be the end and if it wasn't for the trust I believe it was the trust wasn't it that um, saved us so I think as a like I said I think as a young kid you don't you don't really take it all in and sort of looking back do you remember like the likes of Ruggiero turning up to training and what do you make of of those sort of players coming in it was just mad it was mad times I mean again John come in sat us down and he changed like the bonus system and he was money this and money that I've got the F1 team or the F4 whatever it was free to sort of supplement the, the money and then yeah it just all went to pan and again don't quote me but I'm sure we were top six maybe at Christmas and then we got two points out of about 40 something 46 and once we're on that roll we just couldn't get out of it and I think we just tried so many systems and players and Chris Brass was playing in every position possible and yeah we didn't know where we were coming or going and it wasn't enjoyable as I imagine as a fan as well but when you get on that slippery slope it's just uh, hard to get out of it Yeah you, you mentioned Chris Brass then, and, and, and that was one of my questions I, I wonder what it was like for you seeing him appointed as manager because I think there was only about three or four years difference to you in age and you know you were playing it probably played in the back four with him a few times what was it yeah. like sort of learning that he was going to be a manager at 27 and you know were you friends before was that affected by him becoming a manager again when he came in he was absolutely brilliant to me roomed with him quite a few times so I was quite lucky I shared rooms with sort of experienced players and tried to take a bit of from everyone but as a player as well he kind of taught me a lot so yeah thank you for that but then when he became manager obviously it was hard because he was a player, he was a mate, and then it's it was hard to for that transition, not only for me, for everyone. And then I felt, and maybe he, I don't know if you've ever spoke to him, I felt like he just tried to do too much on his own because he was such a winner. He was a winner, he'd run for a brick wall for anyone. And, you know, it's obviously an inexperienced manager looking better than it now that didn't help him. But yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Yeah, because some of the, the match reports, again, that I looked at around that time, I, I think Chris sort of 
criticised you a bit in in the press for for not being vocal enough. And then I sort of looked back at how old you were. You were only 23 around that time. I mean, it, it felt like quite harsh treatment. But do you think that was just maybe him, not a personal attack on you, but almost sort of feeling the pressure himself and then having to kind of pass it down to his players? Possibly. I have always been quite vocal. I can remember, obviously, a few occasions where we've come head to head in the dressing room and I felt I was unjustified a little bit but it's part and parcel of the game I think I had a good season I think I know it sounds really bad but for a defender that gets relegated I thought I did alright I was still learning the game it was hard for everyone you know with the money situation the manager the the slippy slope and then um, it was a really strange scenario and I don't think it helped with obviously Chris never managing before but they obviously took that route the chairman at the time Yeah you, you mentioned that you had a good season and I, I think you were offered a contract weren't you verbally at the end of that campaign and then it got taken away from you. Did you feel let down by that? And I wondered whether that kind of almost prevented you signing for other clubs, that you almost had that commitment to York City, thinking that that was there. And then when that was taken away, it was almost too late. I don't know if the time frame sort of match up. I think it was still three months after the season, two months after the season. I got offered a contract with my agent and there was other clubs interested at the time. I wanted to stay at York 100%. There was a couple of things not right with the contract that we tried to get right. And um, I can just remember Chris Brass and Lee Nogan going, look, this is here. You, we, we're going to sign you. It's here. We'll smooth it all out. And then there's no panic. And then all of a sudden, it just gets taken away. And I'm like, well, that's not what you do. They were like, well, we've been relegated and it's gone. I had a lot of respect for Lee Nogan and Chris Brass, but it kind of went out the window when that happened because... I was a young lad, just kind of took to the gutter when there was a contract there. And like you said, there was other clubs interested, but by the time that had gone, it was it was all, it was too late. You ended up dropping down sort of into non-league, first with Stafford Rangers and then Worcester City, where you went on to become captain of the club. And I think you nearly played Chelsea, didn't you, in the FA Cup third round after a you know, you knew that you were going to play, could have played Chelsea, but after a real close battle with Huddersfield, what, what do you remember about that time in your career? Went to Notts County, actually, and Gary Mills was at Notts County. It was the first time I'd uh, obviously seen him, met him, and I played two games. I played really well. And he offered me a contract, and um, the week before the season, two wingers got, one did medial, one did crucial. It was Notts County against Notts Forest as a training, sort of pre-season friendly on a training pitch. And Gary Mills said, look, the contract you've got is there, but I can't give it you right now. Go sign for Stafford. They're interested. We'll come and get you. So I signed for Stafford because they needed a wing. It was the week season. So I signed for Stafford and within a week I did my cartilage. That knackered that one up. So I ended up staying with Stafford, got recovered and then moving to Worcester. And uh, yeah, we played Huddersfield in the cup and we absolutely battered them. They're down to 10 men. And I can remember we had so many chances and they scored, I think, late on, like maybe 80 minutes. It was on BBC as well. And uh, we were all absolutely gutted because we felt like we could have won the game. We should have won the game. And we ended up losing 1-0. And we can remember the TV following them guys into the changing room which was literally right opposite ours they're close and the draw was being made and then a massive cheer from their lads and we're like oh who they got and then we found out we got Chelsea so yeah it was disappointing but good at, you know we were on TV against Huddersfield we were step six I can't remember and they were yeah so we did well but we felt like we let ourselves down a little bit because we should have won the game if you speak to anyone we should have won the game so it was good times got nothing but yeah, you know, Worcester, Andy Morrison and Andy Priest were clicked with them both really well. And yeah, it was good times. It was fun times that I've never had before and I'll never have again because um, Andy Morrison's an absolute character. Uh, what a player as well. I've, watched, I've actually got his book and he actually mentions a situation in the book at Worcester, which makes me laugh to this day, but uh, I won't repeat it. But yeah, it was, it was just good times. Really good times. Is that Andy Priest that's at 
Charlie now, isn't he? I think he's yeah, sort of yeah. his level. Again, such a nice guy and knew his stuff. And I'm surprised he didn't go high. He had sort of good morals and his ethos of the game was what I liked. And I was there for three years. You know, I wanted to try and get higher, but I, you know, I was just loving my football. It's the first time for a while that I actually really enjoyed my football. You know, getting relegated with York and then the injury at Stafford and I made some good friends there as well. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was good. It was good times. In fact, I'm still I still speak to Dave Body, who was the chairman at the time. Now, um, he's now in the FA. I still speak to him via the Facebook now and again. So and and I noticed during your time at Worcester, you were sent off, and I'm, I'm sorry for bringing this up, but for bringing down a Barrow player, and I just wondered if you remembered who it was. I'm guessing. I'm going to guess you say it's Jason Walker, but I can't remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. Apparently, apparently, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll send you yeah, the. Yeah, I've played against Jace a few times. We had some good battles. I mean, Barrow wasn't a nice place to go to anyway. It was all quite always quite intimidating. But I loved that. I loved that's what I thrived on. But Jace was an excellent player. He was hard to play against. And um, when he came to York, we used to have some laughs about how we used to have a little scrap man again. And I can't remember getting sent off, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you moved to Tamworth in 2008 under Gary Mills, and I've put here who I believe tried to sign you twice before. Obviously, one of those. Been been at Notts County, and in that first season, you you won the National League North title. And I mean, reading again, sort of researching that that time, it, it sounds just like a, like what York City were like in the in the twenty twelve seasons. You know, a real fantastic style of football, and and, and you know has Gary Mills's sort of blueprint all over it. And yeah. that must have been a, a real good time for you in your, in your career. It was nothing will beat, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Nothing will beat that week, well, eight days of Wembley, but and that year, that year we went up. But the time at Tamworth for saying it was a part time. Club, I've got friends that I still speak to regular now. It was, he made, he made an atmosphere that it was like you would literally run through a brick wall and he got he got such a good side together on a shoestring, really. And he he tried to do it the right way. He played past, you know, like he did at York, really. But it, it was good that we won something because it was the first thing we, me personally, as a team, had won. And yeah, I, I loved working for Gary Mills. I liked what he was about. And that's obviously the start of the relationship we had. But yeah, it was some really good times at Tamworth. Really good times. And your last goal for Tamworth actually came against York in 2010. Without knowing what was to come and you going back to the club, that, that must have been a good moment in your career at that moment in time because I don't think you scored for York in your first spell. So to yeah. score a goal at Boovan Crescent must have been a, a special moment for you. I didn't actually. And Darren Edmondson used to remind me every week the first time round that I didn't. And then, yeah, because Gary Mills decided to play me centre mid that day at York and um, I had a chance first half. I, I, I nicked it off Jimmy Sangre, is it Sangre? And... Um, his pace just got me back. So I had a chance then. I was disappointed. But then I had a little bit of, um, yeah, obviously with the Lee Nogan and Chris Brass situation and the board was still the board at the time, even though it was a different manager. So I wanted to score. I was going to go celebrate near them, but I didn't want to because it was disrespectful. But yeah, I had a little bit of animosity the way I left. Obviously, York City getting offered a contract and left. But I went in dead happy and we actually got a bollocking. We, I can remember telling Gary Mills giving us a bollocking for drawing and we should have won. And I went in happy and came outside. But I, can, I couldn't really miss. I think Ingi made a great save from someone and it just it was just there two yards out. So I couldn't really miss, but it, it was just nice to, to score. But it made it nicer against York that obviously at the time was just a little bit 
with the the way I left. And you signed for Mansfield in in uh, May 2010, but by October, Gary Mills, newly in the job at York, got you in on loan and immediately installed you as captain. Did the club feel any different when you re-signed for them? And, and was it an easy decision that you, you already knew the club, maybe had a point to prove to the club and, and the fact that, you know, your relationship with Gary Mills was obviously so strong? Yeah, it, it, it was easy in the fact that we were flying at Mansfield and then I had a personal issue at home, which implicated some travel restrictions with Mansfield. And they backed me to the start to start with, but then David got given money. Uh, David also got given money and he went and bought a centre-half. So I, I, I knew it was starting to say, you know, take a bit of the toll with um, the restrictions I had. And then it was just brilliant timing for me. I mean, football sometimes is about luck, good or bad. And it was good timing for me that Gary Mills had got the job the week that David went and got a centre-half and was, he bought five or six players in with the money he was given. So I knew I was going to be sort of on my way out. And um, yeah, it, 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 it was a no-brainer. As soon as Gary got in contact... I was like, I'm on my way. So it was, it was a, it was a weird week because I signed the Thursday and then we played, I think, Kitty and on the Saturday in the cup, I think, and he made me captain the day before, which was a little bit of a shock because you ruffle, you're ruffling feathers straight away. I didn't really know any of the lads. I think there was only Ingi still there, but to go in and then get main captain, it, it, I think he did it because I knew the way he wanted to play and I, he thought I could help on the pitch for that. And yeah, it was, it was good. It was good in the fact as well that we only just missed out on playoffs. That season so he joined when they were 18th and we wasn't that far behind it was good for me because Mansfield ended up only just staying up so yeah it was it was it was the right move 100% yeah because it's quite unusual isn't it to be be captain when you're just a lone player and like you say you, you probably imagine as a lone player you just want to go and sort of fit in with the lads straight away and, and yet you're, yeah. you're having to go in and lead by example aren't you I guess I think it was loan to sign anyway from the agreement that we had but yeah I can just remember him saying that there's some some great players here we just need to play the right way in this way the, tam- the, the, the same system that he had at Tamworth and we've got step up players sort of thing that we had at Tamworth with and yeah he just it just clicked it just it just seemed to work the system worked with the players there and we weren't like I say we weren't 100 miles away from getting in that playoffs that's that 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 season well that first season I've mentioned this on so many podcasts so those people that listen I apologize for bringing it up again but that 3-0 win over Rotherham for me was a real significant sort of turning yeah. point for me in, in believing in what sort of Gary Mills sort of philosophy was really and that, Rotherham were up that, near the top and that was also your first goal for York yeah. City and a great time to score it wasn't it, it what, what's your memories of that game and you seem to sort of have a real blossoming partnership with David McGurk as well around that time and you know what, what do you remember about that that time period we drew at their place didn't we it wasn't the ground I thought it was Don Valley I think we played that's right uh, one of the first recollection was how good Michael Rankin was that them two games he was phenomenal he absolutely was and to us but with T.Y. McGurk yeah he's, he, he was a great player and I knew he was a fan's favourite and we did it, it just worked It sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and yeah it just we, it's, we just seem to compliment each other but you know with the full backs we had as well it, again it just worked all four of us and then Inge behind us so yeah I can remember it was a night game and I can't remember when, when what I scored if I scored the first second or third if I'm honest but I think you um, scored the first I think it was a header and I can remember Ranks jumping on me on my back and nearly injuring me as that 17 stone but yeah I mean to beat aside the, the league above and then to go and get I think we got did we get Bolton the next round? So it was a great night. Cambridge next and then Bolton. I'll come on nicely to the next next thing is, is about the Bolton game. And I imagine that would be a real career highlight for you, given the fact that you were so close to getting to the third round with Worcester yeah. City and missing out against Chelsea. But I know, I know Bolton out as big as Chelsea, but, but the fact that you were leading a team out against a Premier League side and what comes with that and 
testing yeah. yourself against the best of the best. That that must have been a real highlight for you. Yeah, I can remember my first thought of that game though was Zach Knight. I was he was captain, and obviously captains get go in to meet the ref an hour and a half before the game and I was like that it was phenomenally big but it was Cahill they had some amazing players we took I think five and a half thousand fans there I had 20 odd mates there that was there and it was a really good uh, it was a good game and I think it wasn't until what 80 odd minutes they scored we held out we had our chances and I think we did ourselves proud it was a good experience sometimes you just don't forget and you won't ever forget was meetings that night a little bit like when you met Michael and Camden happening in the in the tunnel. Not quite in that category, but it was more the, the shock of like, you know, I was an ad, oh yeah, I was classed as I was a man then, but I was still up there and I was lucky enough to get Cahill's shirt signed, which I still have, because a friend at Mansfield was good mates with him and he kind of fucked me up before the game. So I had Cahill's who went on to play for England and Chelsea not long after that game actually I think I think it was following the season but yeah I think I played well that game I think we all did obviously personally I think I did well and then Gary Mills got a message off Owen Coyle at the time and said that I thought I was a good player and potentially should have gone higher I just remember it was a really good good night again unfortunately we lost but for 80 minutes we matched and I think they brought the big guns on about 75 and it, it did make a difference but yeah I mean for the fans and that that's what it's about into the cup away games absolutely and whilst that was a highlight maybe one of the lowlights was playing in goal against Luton I thought I'd have to ask you ask you about that I get a lot of sticks still to this day especially my son because he's like yeah he did play in goal he let him four goals in the first 25 minutes but yeah it was one of them where yeah Inge got sent off it was a sending off and from the free kick they scored and then it just seemed to be well I'll tell you now I've got a lot more respect for keepers and I used to say that to Inge after that the goal just felt massive if I'm honest but I spoke to Gary before I did it and said look no one's offering to do it I'll do it and we had obviously Greg Young on the bench and we could be solid that way and we we just tried to to play it out but it didn't work that way and at half time I threw a little bit of a paddy and said I ain't doing it no more someone else can do it probably the right decision but too late Greg should have gone in goal first but it was funny it was funny but not funny because obviously we're getting beats never funny but I can remember getting a lot of stick from the Luton fans and um, my close mates still like to say remind me now that um, I'm, not, I'm definitely not a keeper because Gary did that quite a lot didn't he he, he wouldn't have a sub keeper on the bench so, so I yeah. wondered I think what I was going to ask you before was that were you someone who in, in training would go in or was there a plan an eventuality if, if, if Ingy did get sent off that someone would go in but it sounds to me like you just sort of offered because no one else did. No, I don't think they were ever, he never did at any club. But I don't think there was a plan B. Well, we didn't know a plan B anyway regarding the goalie. I don't think there was an outfield player that doesn't mess around in goal now and again in training. And in training, I was quite good. But yeah, it was it was just the simple fact that no one kind of wanted to do it, and I thought I'll do it. It was an easy sort of swap for me in goal and Greg on. So it worked that way rather than he probably regrets letting me do it now. But we got our own back in the end. I was going to say well, we'll definitely come on to that in, yeah. in due course. And I mean, 2011, 20. 12 such an iconic season and but I'd sort of forgot looking back that it wasn't all plain sailing particularly at the start of the season I look back at going to your old club Tamworth and losing 2-1 and I think, I think you conceded a couple of penalties and then uh, Gary dropped you from the side I wondered what you were like when that when that happened given that you had such a good relationship with Gary and, and did that make yeah. you more determined because obviously you were back in the side not long after that and, and then sort of led the team to whatever they did but how was it for you around that time period yeah it's, it's always been a bit of an issue with me because I used to get a lot of stick from the fans saying Gary's love child and I could do anything and not play and I used to think you don't know what happens in that dressing room you don't know what happens on a Monday morning getting dragged into that office 
and he dropped me many a times. And yeah, I can remember the two penalties um, against Tamworth and he did drop me. I think it made it worse coming in because I knew him before, played under him before. And obviously Danny Parslow and TY were two big fans' favourites. And then obviously for me to come in and take one of their places, it ruffled some fans as well. And it seemed harsh on me because it felt like I, they thought I could do anything and just play. But it, it clearly wasn't that. It wasn't at all. Trust me. But yeah, it was rightly so. You know, when we have good form, we have bad form and you ride with the good and you just try and improve with the bad. But yeah, that season was, it, was, it wasn't all plain sailing, no. It wasn't. And I mean, so many highlights at that season, you know, particularly from the, the attacking football that, that York City played. And maybe that overshadows some of the defensive work that, that you guys did. And, you know, I think to the final against Luton, how resolute you were as a yeah. side, you know, um, was absolutely fantastic. But what were your highlights sort of looking back on that season? Because for me, it, it will be a, a certain game or a certain set of games, but yours might be might be completely different. I would imagine Mansfield might go high up there, given that you, the, the way that you were kind of treated there. But what yeah. was the sort of highlights for you looking back? Obviously the big games, the semi-final and finals. You, you, yeah, yeah. But the... The Mansfield one was good, home and away. I thought I thought I did really well away, but I was determined to prove again wrong. I think we're not everyone, but everyone knows again how well we used to play, and we used to have a bit of a mentality of like the back four defend, the front sort of five six just play. I used to stand and watch some of the players like during the game, and the way we passed the ball and cut teams open that season was just some games stick out. I think we did it in the right way, the footballing way, and didn't always work. You know, some of the fans didn't like the way we passed it round and back. But definitely the Mansfield game and the Luton game stick out. Luton away in the semis of the trophy, that was immense. And then obviously the two finals. But I think on a whole, that it was just how we played. Each and every player, we were told not to like listen to the crowd booing. If we passed it back to the keeper, go get it off the keeper. If you made a mistake, still try and do it. He wanted it the right way, he did it his way and it worked. A lot of people that know the game would say how well we played and passed teams off the field. You know, some games, individuals won it. That's what we had. People like Matty Blair, Chambo, Walker, Dre Bucard, they just won us the game on their own. And we tried to do our you know, defensive work when we needed. Other, other players that I've spoken to have, have always sort of mentioned the, and referenced the dressing room, you know, being worth so many points yeah. in a season. Was that the same for you as a captain leading those players? You know, were you quite close-knit as a group of players? Yeah, and I always say, if you've not got a good dressing room, you won't win anything. If you've got little groups and spats and fallouts, you won't win anything. And I think Gary was massive on that. I never had that at Reading because there was too many egos there um, a little bit. Um, as me as a young lad trying to come in and then it really opened my eyes at how much Gary, it was an important thing to him that he had the right players and we had the good mix and we had a good social side as well. I, I don't know if you know, but even on the Wembley games, took us to the bar at the pub. He gave me, I think he, I can't remember, 100 quid the day before the game and said, look, you're in charge of the lads going go in London couple of pints chill yourself out uh, some lads had coffees some lads had three or four beers and um, I'm guessing I'm guessing from you know speaking to him that's how he was you know with Brian Clough that's how he wanted it and it 100% helped it made us relax both big games the semi-finals he did it he tried to play everything down like it, it was obviously massive it, it just relaxed it's another game trust your abilities trust what we're doing and, and it worked and I presume that was a stark contrast to say the, the relegation season in 
2004 then and, and the Chris Brass yeah. the dressing room almost like the complete opposite then when you're sliding down the table well, and... it's obviously easier when you're winning and you're, and you're doing well it's obviously easier to mix but when when you're losing it's always his fault and then they're saying it's your fault and you're saying it's their fault and there's always you know fingers being pointed so it, it's easy to say yes but I think like I said when Chris Brass was manager I think he just he played himself right wing up front you know and it, we were just trying so many different things rather than if it was what I've learned is get back to the basics just try and defend and you know at the time we were conceding left right and centre we had I think we, we played away I think Kidderminster away and I think we had a 17 year old an 18 year old and I was like 20 at the back and we were rock bottom you know it was just like you're, you're throwing us into like the lion's den a little bit here why don't you come back at centre half and be our leader and so it's a lot it's easy for me to say yes. It's it was a lot different, but you probably find out your characters when you when you're losing rather than when you're winning. But I won't say we had a bad dressing room when we were the 2004 season. We didn't bring it back to 2012 because obviously that's so much more positive. I mean, what yeah. was it like for you? Players will dream of playing at Wembley, but to play there twice. But not only to play there twice, you you know you've lifted two trophies. You know to yeah. be captain of those uh, you know that side on consecutive weekends. It's just unprecedented, isn't it? And it's it's just a fantastic achievement. What and also the fact that you then a football league player again which I imagine is massive for someone like yourself who who had that dream to start with you know being a ball boy at Leeds United having to sort of go back down the leads but then coming back up them it must have meant so much to you it did yeah again you don't think about that at the time you just think about right we've got to win we've got to win we won the cup and I think that helped us the following game without a doubt but both occasions the first occasion obviously we won there wasn't as big a crowd there but it was still an amazing 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 crowd and, and such a you know Wembley we knew we had the following week as well but I, we kind of rushed it we kind of ran up the stairs we picked the trophy and ran down and um, so the second time I said listen lads let's enjoy this now let's take our time we're walking up so slow we're just enjoying the moment again so we could take it in and actually try and get some memories because you know sometimes it's just so quick it's a big blur so yeah I mean I was disappointed because both times actually both times I got drug tested straight after the pitch so they can't grab you straight away and so both times I missed the sort of celebrations in the dressing room but the second time because uh, it was such a hot day I couldn't I, I couldn't wait I couldn't wait yeah. needed so much uh, urine to test and I said you know what I'm allowed in there and they're like yeah but we have to come with you and I said I'm going in after about half an hour 40 minutes and um, I said I'm not missing it this time so it was quite random we had like cans of beer and uh, champagne flying around the lads are like you know naked getting showers and stuff and we've got this guy from the FA just following me about literally everywhere. I mean, I even had a shower because I was like, I don't need a wee. So it's just like little silly things like that you kind of stick in your head that as much as uh, I loved it, I wish both times I didn't have to do drug tests because you, you miss out on such a big thing. It was something that I didn't really talk about. My friends always say that like, you never mention it. Never, and it, you don't, but um, it's just something that I had always dreams of. And I was lucky enough to be the captain to lift that trophy, but something that well, I'll never top. Well, I, ha- I never topped, and I probably won't ever top in life, really. Yeah, I mean, it was such a, a fantastic occasion, wasn't it, for, for the supporters and the players? And you know, the fact it was Luton as well, because there was that sort of building rivalry. And obviously, you weren't there when the, the coin chucking no. happened, no. but I'm sure you'll have heard about it. And and for the fact for you, you know, went in goal and got all that stick of him. But it felt to me like York City had almost like the Indian sign over Luton that season. That and, and was that the same for you as players? You yeah. know, like that, that that mentality that actually had their number a little bit. Yeah. 
yeah, 100%. You've got to hit the nail on the head. I think it's an arrogance. It's not like a, a cocky, sort of big-headed arrogance. But I think we just believe that we will not lose against them. Obviously, I joined the year after the coin throwing and the lads getting trapped in a corner by the fans. And I think that obviously made a bit, obviously, rivalry between the fans and the players that were still there. And I think, uh, yeah, I think we played, I don't know how many times we played in that season. It was five or six. I think I'm sure one of the games got called off and we had to re- redo it. I'm not sure. Uh, but I felt like we couldn't lose against them, uh, uh, you know, in the final. And even going 1-0 down after two and a half, three minutes, you can see on our, our belief that we knew, we, we just knew it. And that was installed in us as a team yeah just just believed that we, we would win it but not in a, you know, an arrogant cocky big headed way it was just uh, we knew what, what we had in the side like I said earlier we knew we had match winners like Blairy and Chamber and Walker and on the bench players that could change the game and was there any sort of verbals between yourselves and Luton because you had played them so many times and, and you had that kind of one over them and because I can imagine someone like Michael Lingham you know who's a character and, and you did have characters in the side who, who, who I'm sure could give it as well as take it do you know what I mean yeah. no do you know what from no I don't think we did I mean we used to uh, join the game that was against anybody you know this is a bad tackle you back in your mate up but no I don't think there was any sort of hatred or animosity between the lads it wasn't and funny enough that the, the Christmas before we saw them all out on a Christmas do we just sat back and watched them and we looked at them and thought yeah, there were some really arrogant, cocky lads in their side. And I think, you know, we, we, a few of us sat back and watched them. And like, it just spurred us on a little bit more, that little bit thing. But our team spirit, like I say, was, it couldn't be matched. And that's what, again, won us that game. It, it, was, it was fantastic. And I, I never tire of, of interviewing people who played in that side. It, it was incredible. So you're back in the Football League and York City make a, all right, lose on the opening day, but make a decent sort of first half to the season. I think we beat Burton 3-0 and Bristol Rovers 4-1 before Chris. Christmas or, or, or around the January time but then there's that massive slump and uh, how did you try rally the side as a captain and obviously ultimately it ended up in, in Gary Mills' his sacking yeah. and I believe I, th- I think I can't remember if it was Gary who told me but you, you were quite emotional when you found out that Gary was sacked how, yeah. how do you look back on that? Yeah I think the objective of going up that season is the objective of staying up that's number one but I think because we we were doing so well. I think expectations from everyone sort of rose a little bit. But we were, we were trying to be realistic, saying still survival is key no matter what. And when, when we're on that run again, it's just kind of what I said earlier. It's just getting to that basics, doing the trying to do the basics, getting that right. And just something wasn't quite clicking during the game. It doesn't matter what, what it was. And we weren't scoring. We had obviously a bad run. It was a bad look sometimes. It was well-deserved sometimes. But me as a, as a captain and as a the first point of contact to the gaffer, it just come at a time where I think I think we went to Rotherham. It felt like it turned that day. I think did we draw? I can't remember. Yeah, well, they, they, I think they, I went to that game. They, they scored about five minutes into injury time that's, after that's we'd been right. won the look for so long. I think Matt, Matty Blair scored in the first half, and and we played really well that night. And uh, but it just felt like that was one of those things that when you're down the bottom, that's what happens to you. If you're up near the yeah. top, you, you get the you get the equaliser, don't you? Yeah, and I, I can remember that day, and they did score really late on, but it felt like things clicked a little bit. But then obviously the Bradford game, I think Rotherham were first, second, or third. I think Bradford were fourth, fifth, something like that. We had some top sides, and then after the Bradford game, it happened. But it was emotional for me because well, it was emotional for everyone. 
if I'm honest, when, when he told us, he'd, we'd all left. And I got the phone call from Darren G actually saying, look, you need to come back. You need to phone the lads and get them back. And we kind of knew. So we all came back and he told us. And yeah, it was, uh, we all felt obviously it was the wrong decision. But I think we would have stayed up with Gary. That's my belief. I think we would have stayed up with him. But chairmen are there to make decisions and form. We weren't providing the gaffle. Yeah, so it's ruthless sometimes uh, for a player and a manager. But yeah, I, I felt it was a little bit early for like I say, we played some really top sides and the performance changed. That's what I'm saying. It was a bit... It, felt like it switched a little bit last two or three games played well I know Bradford game was a little bit of a 3-0 but felt like it was a little bit early and, and of course you obviously you'd played for Gary at Tamworth as well hadn't you so you'd kind of well, yeah, we had a bond. such an influence yeah. on your career hasn't he yeah I respected him so much on and off the field yeah maybe as captain and because of that reason um, I felt it was too early uh, Nigel Wevent came in completely different style to Gary and I think the players from, from my sort of perspective almost found it hard to play in that style having been so used to Gary's for, for so long it was a lot a lot more direct but eventually we, we did get the results to, to stay up and, and you scored the goal the winning goal at Dagenham on the last day of the season what, what was it like in the in the dressing room and, and you know for, for you personally you know lead, leading the side and getting that, that winning yeah. goal that kept us up it must have been again a, a good moment in your career yeah I mean going back to when he first come in he, he, he got me in first and he kept calling me Chris Doig to start with and I had to correct him I said no I'm Chris Smith but um, after that he said what he wanted to do kind of got this sort of experienced players one at a time I said this is what we need to do I think we had 10 games left we need to win this many games and it was totally different like you say to the managerial style to Gary Nils. And I think as well, from where he'd been, we were totally different to, to what he'd managed before. But yeah, you're right. We, we managed to stay up. And I think I, it sounds stupid because, well, no, we stayed up, but we won six, I think. And I think I got player of, I got player of the month that, that month in the, the league too, which personally was probably my best achievement individually to get that. And he actually got it as well as managerial uh, manager of the month uh, for League Two. And I think the goal just topped that that month off, you know, away to Dagenham. I mean, on hindsight, we, we would have stayed up, if, I think, if we drew. But to get the goal and it just felt like first time I left on a bad note and then with Gary going and yeah, it just felt like I gave back a little bit because that first time we went down, felt like I had something to prove when I come back. And it felt like even though we got promoted, I'd been a part in that to try and get us back to the league because I was a part for why we went down. But then just to, to, it just kind of like sealed like, yeah, I'm glad. As an t- individual, I've kept this team, this club in the league. Not just me personally, the, the lads. But yeah, it was emotional. It was very emotional. And I can remember it was like a relief. I kind of like we were celebrating in the dressing room. It was uh, just a relief because we'd battled so hard. We'd changed so much in them 10 games yeah and we stayed Imagine up that, that was quite an emotionally draining season wasn't it and I know even the 2012 will have been even in success you know the, yeah. the amount of battles with sort of Luton and Mansfield like, like you mentioned before but in fact like it was such a roller coaster season wasn't it the season after that like you yeah. say the, the, uh, when you mentioned relief uh, I think that was what it felt like for supporters at Dagenham because it wasn't yeah. the, the best of games was it Dagenham I, I think that they had quite a few chances in the first half and I was sort of starting to worry that we, we were going to go down you know the pessimists yeah sort of, the part in me. Well, from what I remember again there was York fans everywhere even in their home crowd I think because they only gave us so many allocation behind the goal I think we, again correct me if I'm wrong but I'm sure at one stage we were going down I think the results were going against us and then they all switched and then yeah you're right it was just we just hung on 
and I think it was from a corner deflection I just turned and hit it and it went in and again like you said it was just relief at the end of the game that you know it was such a it was a draining season it was really mentally hard physically hard and then it felt like we actually got what we deserved a little bit um, we did deserve to stay up but the previous three or four games just were like that and Nigel Worthington had a game plan for every individual game and it just worked for that game for them games yeah that win against South End I think was a real yeah. one, wasn't it it was a massive sort of crowd in at Boven Crescent yeah again it was just a battle we were clearing them off the line and last minute it was just South End at home we were yeah, needed to win and we did. And then just it just seemed to go our way as how it was going to end up. It was a bit going down to Dagenham to need the win to stay up. It was felt like we were going to do it. We had the belief. We did have the belief. It was just we had other things needed to go our way as well, and they did. Nigel sort of eased you out the side, didn't he, the next season, which which sort of surprised me really, given that you'd ended that that previous season so well and you 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 were his captain ultimately, you know, he, he kept you as captain of the side. And sort of when Lowen McComb sort of came in at centre half, it you sort of left, but I, I remember it being quite a small thing you you leaving. Do you know what, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It, it was almost like I think on the club website, you know, Christmas Smith has left and I always felt for what you did you know with the 2012 side and you know you were captain and, and scoring that goal at Dagenham it almost felt like a bit of a, of a damp squib really that no, no. Kind of left like that and then I wondered you know one of my questions was did you feel again a bit let down by that sort oh. of ending I mean I'm not sure what, what I was expecting like a fanfare or anything but but something a little bit more than that 100% if I can backtrack to the literally in the dressing room after the Dagenham game Nigel come and put his arm around me and he said look there's a lot of interest but you're not going nowhere. We'll sort it out next week. And I had a few phone calls from a few sides. And I felt like, you know, he was a manager I wanted to play under. I liked what he was about. Obviously, he'd uh, said some really, really positive things about me. Obviously, he's offered me this deal with accommodation as well, because he knew I had a a young baby and it just made things a lot easier if I stayed up a couple of times, which he was really, that was his belief, uh, staying nearer the ground. I actually lived opposite him. And then to go from that to then within, it just felt like it was in a couple of weeks to, well, you're out, you're a bad egg, you're not good for this team. I really felt hard done by by him, Steve Torpy, and the chairman at the time, because obviously I knew McGill quite well and the family from years ago. And not that I should be treated any differently, but I thought I was treated really badly, if I'm honest. I wasn't even allowed to train with the lads. I was told not to turn up. I was told to go to the gym. They didn't want me even in the um, training room. And it stems back from a couple of times where we've had issues where a few of the players weren't that happy. And uh, me being captain went to him and maybe... I did it wrongly, I don't know, but questioned a few things that were being done and said. And he just, I don't think that obviously went down very well. So it just got to a point where he said, you're not playing for me again, you need to go. And I didn't even speak to the chairman, the chairman wouldn't speak to me. And I just felt like what I'd done for the club, whether I'd played bad or not, or cost goals or get penalties away or that, I gave 100% for every single game. And that's a fact, no one can take that away. I always prepared well always professional I never drank before the games and that crap I trained well you ask anybody so I just felt for the seven years I deserved better than that especially off the chairman you know, Nigel Worthington didn't know me he'd, he'd, he'd been with me two months before and I've, I've always said you can't go from the player he said I was to that player that he said I was a few months later it doesn't work so yeah I've, I, to this day you can probably tell it still really frustrates me and only a few people know obviously the lads know what happened but yeah I just felt totally totally sort of let down especially by Jason McGill. 
because you know what I'd done for him in the club and stuff he didn't even come and say thank you for what I'd done or I'm sorry it didn't work out or he didn't even ask my side of the argument he just obviously got me out as quickly as possible and that's how it was it went from the double winning Wembley team and gone you're gone you're not allowed to train with the lads See you later. And was that triggered by any game in particular? Because I, I don't remember looking back. You and, and you're right yeah. about the hundred percent thing. I don't think any fan would would think any differently to, to that. I think you were always a model professional, and, and I'm not just saying it to blow smoke up your ass. But fans did did appreciate you, you know, and, and the efforts that you put in. But was there a game in particular where maybe the club got beat, or you know, because I imagine tempers can. F- in a dressing room yeah. but but like you said that's part and parcel of football you mentioned that earlier on for me it was he came in and said we've got 10 games in and we trained a certain way we played a certain way and he said that's how we're, we're doing then in the, the pre-season he totally changed what he wanted us to do and how we wanted to do it and I can just remember him saying all the time got non-league mentality you like you've got non-league mentality you like well we were in the non-league but we're in the league then we got good enough players to be in the league and stay in the league and that was sort of the first time where sort of he changed he, he came back with a different sort of game plan if I'm honest but no the only time that sticks in my head was we played Cheltenham away I think we lost one or two now and George Taft come in he got George Taft as a centre off and it was me and him and he played two games and he cost us two goals and then on a Monday after Cheltenham he says right it was a session it just it contradicted what he basically said was a fault on Saturday's game and all the lads what is going on here what is going this is and it was a horrendous session they said Smudge you've got to say something you've got to say something and I said something and it was the first time I said something and I just remember Steve Torpy not liking what I said because I was questioning why we were doing it when we were doing the opposite what they told us we conceded the goals for and I think from that day I kind of had my card marked but you know as captain you feel like maybe I did it wrong in front of the lads maybe I should have pulled them to one side and said look the lads are questioning why we're doing this a little bit it's different to what you told us and bollocks is for on Saturday and then we're just running and we're not making any sense and it was just um, so maybe that was the first sort of occasion where I felt like yeah clearly um, he didn't like what I I said but I can't remember any individual game I think the writing was on the wall when I come back I tried to make a comeback and then I got I did my ankle really badly against Rotherham and yeah it was that was the end and I just felt that game it kind of summed up where I was in favour of the chairman the manager even the staff because I just I'd, I'd fought my way back in I was I think it was a cup game we played Rotherham and he did rest a couple of the first team so I thought right this is my chance to go and show him that I was doing alright we were getting beat but I remember doing my ankle and it, I've, I've been quite lucky with injuries, but it was actually horrendous. I heard cracks and stuff and I was just left in the physio room for ages on my own in agony. And it wasn't, it was Richard Cresswell. And to this day, I speak to him and thank him all the time. He was sub. He left the subs bench and come and helped me. And he stayed with me in hospital and made sure I got to hospital and came back and... I think my dad or mum came and picked me up all the way from Derby because I had still no, I couldn't get in. Um, and I just thought, that's where I'm at. I torn two of my three ligaments in my ankle. is in agony. And I was sat in the physio room, just like, what's happening? And it, it, like I said, everyone come and said hello and stuff. And then just at half time, I think, and then went out. And I was just left there. And it was, like I say, it, wasn't, it was Richard Cresswell, a player who was on the bench, who just said, I'm going to go help Chris and yeah I just felt then it was like that's how it is yeah and the, the professionalism obviously was lacking wasn't it I understand Jeff Miller's got to go out for the second half because he's the physio but you know I literally 
I was just remembered, just in agony. And I went to hospital. I think an ambulance came in the end. Uh, and it was Richard Cresswell who came with me in the back of the ambulance. But yeah, it just felt like I was, again, just just chucked to one side. You know, I wasn't, you know, in the first team and, well, deal with it kind of thing. And I've never understood this sort of making players train with the the kids do you know what I mean like you, you can kind of not feature in a manager's plans but to kind of belittle them by making them train with you yeah. it just seems really I don't understand what, what can ever be achieved by that he called me in I remember it being a Monday and he just said you're not coming here no more you don't come to the training ground you don't go to games Don't want you, when we eat just go to the gym and he said the words how much is it going to take for me to get out of my contract? I had six months left on my contract. And I said, well, I've got a contract. I've done nothing wrong. And he said the exact words, how much is it going to take me for you to get out? And I said, my contract, I'm staying here. And that's how it was. And that's word for word. So I went to the gym. I trained with the PT there and just tried to do what I could. I weren't even allowed to train with the kids. <laughs> I had to just try and keep fit. And then it just so happened they paid me up and said, right, you're off. You ended up moving to, to Halifax where I think you had yeah. a re- reasonably good spell, didn't you? You ended up scoring a couple of goals. I think you played 10 games and, the, and Halifax got to the playoffs. And then I just wondered, because you, you sort of drifted down the leagues after that. Players can often find it hard, can't they? Sort of come into terms with, ending sort of professional football but did, did the fact that you'd sort of done it before I think I think you were a plasterer I think did yeah. that sort of help that the second time round that sort of making an adjustment from leaving professional no, football no, not at all. I'll be honest I went to Halifax purely just to play football and it just turned out the manager was an absolute gem and like you say I, I started a sub and it was against Tamworth actually I came off and then I played and me and Robbo who's now at Birmingham it, again we just clicked and we went unbeaten and we we nicked the playoffs and yeah, we got beat in the semi-finals. I mean, we drew, I don't know, we beat them at home and then we lost 2-0 away and we just, we missed out. But I just went to play. I would have played for anybody, if I'm honest. He was a Yorkshire lad from, I think he was Leeds area. He'd had a good career. I'd bumped into a few times previously, but he was just brilliant. And I, I started to enjoy my football again. Neil Aspen. So yeah, it made me believe in faith again a little bit with the managers, <laughs> that there are good managers out there again. I, and, and I started to enjoy my football. But then it didn't help because I won't go into detail, but I had two or three uh, personal problems that I went to Alfreton because it was local. To me, I lived 20 minutes away, but it just too many things outside of football just got to me. And in the end, I, I just walked away from the game. Regrettably, to this day, hate it. Probably one of my biggest regrets, really, going to Alfreton and giving up. But yeah, it, it didn't make it any easier, if I'm honest. So I think at the time I just thought, you know what, forget it. There's more important things. But yeah, you've kind of live and learn from your mistakes. But it wasn't enjoyable a couple of years, if I'm honest. But it all just stemmed from Nigel Worthington and the chairman, you know, leaving in the way I did. So that, that had a lasting effect then, didn't it? On yeah. the, oh. the rest of your career, which is quite something, isn't it? When you when you consider the year before, probably that two-year period in career is probably the peak of your career. And then that, that high to go to such a low must be so, think, so difficult to take. Yeah, it started at Mansfield, I'll be honest, because I thought I was playing some really good football I got a good move to Mansfield and they were obviously a big side at that level and to get chucked out for a personal reason when we were third I'd scored two or three four goals at the time we were doing really well and then he got given money he changed it all so I think it started then but then it obviously went good with Gary Mills as soon as he left it kind of just went I mentioned to you sort of when we were messaging before whether you'd have like an all-time York City 11 from your two spells I don't know if you've had a chance to ponder that we had some incredible players that probably didn't live up to like I, th- I thought I have thought about it but you know look at Darren Edmondson how good he was and for me personally he was a little bit 
him and Gary Hobson looked after me so well. Whether they would make my starting 11, I don't know, but they would possibly for the reason the way they looked after me. Is he better than Lan Ray? Then possibly not. I thought he could have potentially made it higher, but he had really bad injuries. And then TY as well, I thought he could have made it a bit higher, but he had bad injuries as well. I played with Popey and now as a premiership player, but then Ingi was incredible for years. To put an 11 out, you know, it's such a hard because, like I say, you got Graham Potter left wing and then you got Ash Chamber left wing. So it's totally, yeah, it was, I, I can't name my 11, but I, I've been fortunate enough to play with um, Christian Fox, who's unbelievable. But again, he had a bad injury and Lee Bullock, again, some top, top players. Being diplomatic so you don't get texts from people who leave out the team. Uh, what, what about best player that you've ever played with and against to sort of finish off? Well, I played against Edgar David. Obviously, we all did uh, when he was at Barnet. I played with Ray Outen at uh, Reading. Alan Smith, obviously, was phenomenal, especially at my age. Well, sorry, at that age, he was just incredible. Best player I've played with, I'd have to say Harry Kuehl, although he was the year above Ernie and, and he really trained with him, or Jonathan Woodgate. Best player get played against. I played Les Ferdinand once, and um, I was only 16, just one of the first reserve games, and he'd been out for months with his injury, and we played Spurs at the training ground. He scored four goals. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely unreal. So he's up there for players to play against. A lot of people say Andre Buka for who uh, have asked was, about it. <laughs> Same he, question. Some of the stuff he did was in training. I don't know how he didn't play higher. I genuinely don't. Then you say there's a reason for it. I don't know. I don't know what his reason was. But as a player, it was phenomenal. Especially that year we went up. Some of the, the passing and the way he could protect the ball. And he was a player, he wanted to play. You know, he wasn't a hoofer at all. So. Boots, yeah, it was phenomenal. But, you know, you look at Jason Walker, how good he was at that season. You know, could have played higher, didn't. But Matty Blair went on and did doing well. So I've been lucky enough to play with and against some really, really good players. Well, Chris, it's been absolutely fascinating to hear about your kind of your career and your experiences. And hope you've enjoyed reminiscing about some of us, you know, positive memories and, and going over Wembley twice oh. again. And, you know, I've really enjoyed yeah. speaking to you. Thank you so much. It means a lot. And no, I'll never get tired of talking to a fan and at Wembley and the eight days that we had it will never get it will never get topped I don't think it'll ever get topped for me for York will it get topped hopefully I think they're um, you know they're one of the first teams I look for results wise I still in a couple of York City groups so I still follow them still care a lot about them in fact I still speak to Russ Howarth on the, he's one of my best friends and due to come up soon so York will obviously be probably the best times I've had in football as well as bad times yeah it's been phenomenal thank you very much to have me pleasure Huge thanks to Chris Smith for speaking to us on Hospital Ball episode two. Really enjoyed that. We recorded that quite a long time ago, actually. It's just, like I said, it's taken a bit of time to get this series together. So this was sort of well before Christmas, even before the Keith Alchin episode was recorded. So, you know, it's taken a bit of time to put it out, but I think it was worth the wait. Chris was, you know, refreshingly honest about everything to do with his career. And, you know, certainly there were some surprises in what he said to even uh, myself, who thought I kind of knew everything, but clearly not. Chris Smith revealed quite a lot about things behind the scenes. So I really appreciate him doing that. Chris actually messaged me uh, just the other day to say that he remembered who the best player was he's ever played against and it was Ashley Cole who was so good that he got hauled off at half time so I said that I'd add that one in to the end of the, of the podcast for Chris. I have to say a massive thank you to York Gin as well for sponsoring this episode as well as the last one. Don't forget you can get a YCFC 10 discount by putting that into the checkout if you go to their website yorkgin.com. 
And finally, just a massive thank you to everyone who listened to the last episode with Keith Ouchin and the kind of York City Review programme that we did the other day. For both episodes, absolutely bowled over by the, by the comments that people have left. And I must admit, I was a little bit nervy at leaving so long between series. Didn't know whether people would think that, whether there's still been appetite for it. And obviously people are, are still really enjoying the podcast. So whilst that, that happens, that kind of gives me the, the motivation to do other ones. So, so thanks again for that. And also, it's really nice to leave those comments so I can pass them on to players like Keith who, who aren't on Twitter and, and social media. And Chris Smith's the same. I don't think Chris is on Twitter. So if you want to leave any comments, if you've enjoyed this episode, then, then you know I always pass them on to players and managers that I interview and they're always gratefully received. So thanks again for doing that. And yeah, next week, hopefully get this next episode out with Wayne Hall, hopefully by Friday, uh, all being well. without wanting to sound like a broken record there's still tickets available for our uh, Wembley Twice event tickets going really really well and I think there was a bit of a, a push after the last episode when I did the plug there so hopefully that'll be the same here you know, it'd be great to see so many people listen to the podcast be there on the night Axley Sports Bar Friday the 20th of May uh, tickets are only £7 it's going to be a charity night between ourselves and, and Headway so uh, you know, get yourselves there and uh, I'm sure it'll be a good night <laughs>